Welcome to Surprise It's Not a Toaster, where healthcare digital experts Ed Bennett and I, Chris Boyer, we delve into the fabric of online experiences, tackling annoyances, unveiling innovative solutions and cutting edge tools, and we also challenge AI's limits. Hey, Ed, how are you doing today? I'm good. How's it going, Chris? Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you too, Ed. This is becoming a regular habit of ours. Yeah, no, third time now. Third time now. Third time's the charm, as they say, right? Well, I'm excited about today's show, and I want to just jump right into it, Ed. What's on your mind? The uh, topic today for annoyances, and this is a big one, are companies that don't do double opt-in for people that sign up with them. And this all started when I bought an invite to Gmail. This is right after Gmail first launched and it was closed and you had to have an invitation. Of course, everybody was hyped about it. And, you know, and I thought, you know what, this really has the potential to be a huge tool if Google is going to take on managing and doing email. And so I thought, you know what, I really, I really want to get in on this sooner rather than later, mainly because I want a good email address. And I know this is going to be one domain for the entire world. So the pressure to get that good email address is the time period is going to be very short. So there were people actually selling invites on eBay. And I paid 40 bucks to get an invite. And oh boy. I was thinking, okay, I'm I'm now the cool kid who's going to have a Gmail account. And so I picked my first initial last name, ebennett at gmail.com, thinking I was hot shit, you know. <laughs> Little did I realize that how many people do not know what their email address is. Mm-hmm. And these are people who have first names beginning with E and the last name Bennett. Eric Bennett, Ethan Bennett, Elizabeth Bennett, Emily Bennett, Ellen Bennett, and a lot of Ed Bennett's out there too, right. were putting in ebennett at gmail.com when they were signing up for things. And it wasn't so bad in the very beginning when it was new, but after a couple of years, I just started getting pounded with emails being sent to one of these, I call them bad Bennett's. In fact, that's the filter I use in Gmail now is a (laughs) bad Bennett. And so if it has a full name like Emma Bennett or Elizabeth Bennett or any like that in any of the emails, that's a bad Bennett and it it gets dumped before I even see it. I had to make sure that none of my family members were in there, but nobody else in the family has a first name starting with me. I get probably easily five to 10 a day of these emails and they range from everything from this is a somebody has a shell credit card and they use a they every time they fill up they send out an email saying thank you elizabeth for filling up a shell and here's your receipt i have gotten everything from little things like the receipts tons of school kids that have signed up for some sort of school email service that's going to the parent your son missed his attendance today or that's on the silly side of things, right? That's on the yeah. that's on the non-critical side of things. Right. I've also gotten legal documents. Yes. I had got the closing paperwork for a new mortgage sent to me. The mm-hmm. entire file sent to me. I've seen lawsuits where they've been emailing the discovery notes in a lawsuit to mm-hmm. an E. Bennett. My favorite one and my wife's favorite one was when I got the divorce decree from a lawyer in New Zealand saying, oh, no. <laughs> here's here's the final paperwork, E. Bennett, on your divorce. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so that was the one I shared with her. She found that amusing. The stuff that it gets really scary is that I get these emails for uh, medical stuff. I'm getting medical bills, notices. 
I'm getting lab results. Yeah. I'm getting notices that there's a new appointment scheduled for you in the online portal. So many of these I can't even respond to because the address is no reply. Every once in a while, I'll see something where it's obvious that this was some individual. It wasn't really a company. They made a mistake. It's important. And there have been a few times where I'll even make the effort to find their phone number and right. call them up to say, hey, mm -hmm. listen, check your email. I also have a template made, an autoresponder that I can just click and, 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 and tell them. It's shocking how many companies have not used yeah. double opt-in to make sure that they actually have the real email address of their customer before right. they just start sending out all this stuff that's, uh, I mean, if I was a bad guy and I wanted to take advantage, this yeah. would be so easy because mm -hmm. email is now the way that you verify your identity. That's right. For these, that's right. These, you know, so it's an annoyance and it really, it's kind of scary and funny at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get the same thing too, Ed. I, I don't yeah. know if you know this, but I actually a long time ago realized there were a lot of Chris Boyers out there. And it was part of me, you know, at the early stages of me trying to claim my name from an SEO perspective. Right. So I created a Facebook group in fun that was called My Name is Chris Boyer. And I invited like 40 of these Chris Boyers yeah. on Facebook to it. Well, that's well, cool. Yeah, it was. it's still out there. You know, I met a lot of other people with my name yeah. and you know, not all men, right? Men and women, whatever. Right. But it has transposed into Gmail as well. I get a lot of yeah. Chris Boyer emails. And chris.boyer at Gmail right. is my email address, but the dot doesn't really matter to Gmail because it no. also chrisboyer at gmail.com. Right. So I get credit card receipts. I get things from a tractor supply company, which I don't, I haven't purchased anything from. Not, Last not recently, I'm sure. Not <laughs> recently. Last year, I got tickets for a Temptation cruise and they were actually the boarding passes. Oh, really? And for a half second, I thought, well, maybe me and my wife should go. But then it was like one of these, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, sketchy cruises. I, and that was one where I did reach out to them. Even now with Square and all of these other yeah. apps, like, they see your name and they can associate your name to something that's already stored in their network. Mm -hmm. And then they say, oh, we already have your email address on file. We'll just send it to you. I get a lot of Square receipts from people now that go yeah. to Chris Boyer across the country. So... It's crazy. Saw, the other day, I was using uh, DoorDash to order some food, and I hadn't logged in in a long time, and I just put in, I think I just put in my email address, and it dug in its records, and it found my phone number and said, we're going to send confirmation to your phone, mm -hmm. which is great. They're confirming I am who I am. What if it was someone else who had put in eBennett at Gmail, or someone else who had put in the wrong phone number, and I get the confirmation? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's just a small example of of get screwed up. Yeah, I mean, and it's also, but the the ones that do, you also catch those people where they say, yeah. "Now we're confirming your email address," and I kind of feel like, oh, someone's again mistyped their email address, and now I'm getting the confirmation, and I'm not going to respond to it. Everyone should really focus in on their opt in, but inevitably, trying to opt out of things is yeah. the hardest thing in the world, right? right? So that could be a whole other annoyance that we could talk yeah. about at a different show. And that's, because, and that's where you use uh, filters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a great annoyance, Ed. I feel your pain. I, the bad Ed Bennett's or the bad Bennett's. The bad Bennett's, say. right. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently the Be bad careful, Bennett's... you don't want to get on the bad Bennett list. <laughs> well, let's switch to a positive sure. part of what, you know, because you also, in every show, share a tip or a technology to use. Yeah. What do you have to share with us today? I'd love to hear. The tech I want to share today 
is a little bit on the technical side. And you're okay. going to find as we do more of these, there are going to be some where it's it's extremely technical. And maybe 1% of our audience is going to care. But that 1% <laughs> who cares, I'm hoping, will be really happy with what I have to share. But this is all around uh, ad blocking. If you're like most people, you are just shocked at how bad the web is when you don't have an ad blocker. I'll go to any commercial website and the ads are just insane. There's this one person I follow and he has incredibly good commentary on a particular topic and he has a newsletter or he sends out emails and his website is just packed with banner ads and, mm -hmm. and so forth. I mean, it's it's really like 90% ad space and 10% content space. Your usual options are ad blocker and the things that you can put, you can fire up inside a browser. Mm -hmm. And that's great. It takes care of that browser on that particular computer for you. Yeah. But it, what it doesn't do is help you, say, manage the ads that would show up in your iPad. If you're home yeah. on your Wi Fi network, do you need to find some sort of other ad blocking software? Is it very good? And then you sort of get to the point where you have all these devices and they have all different flavors of how they're handling blocking and what their rules are. And the solution to what I see as a problem, just this confusion, is a kind of a universal blocker that you can apply to everything that's in your network at home. Ooh. So there are a couple of options for this. The option that I'm currently using is basically using a a third-party DNS service. And the one I particularly use is Next DNS, but there's many others out there. And you essentially are going into your router settings for your entire home network. And you're saying, instead of using the default DNS lookup, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to explain what DNS is. I'm, I'm assuming that everybody <laughs> that's listening to this knows what DNS. Or they could just Google it. You're right, right. <laughs> um, your home network, you, you, mm -hmm. you're on Comcast or whatever, your router mm -hmm. is going to come with a default DNS. But you can go in there and change it. Every mm -hmm. Just about every home internet service will let you go in and make changes to your router settings. And one of those changes you can do is a different DNS lookup. Right. So I, I on Next DNS, they have their own DNS IP addresses. I go in and I, I change that on the uh, router. And mm -hmm. poof, my entire network all the computers in the house, all the tablets in the house, all the iPhones in the house, if we're in the house using our iPhone, they're all getting using the same ad blocking service. Wow. And so instantly, everything that you do on the web inside your home is a lot calmer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, and it does it because they layer a service in on that DNS right. that so they every offer. time you, you go to, you bring up a web page. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has all of those different calls to different domain names for mm -hmm. ads and lots of other things. It's going out to the service that looks up to see if it's on a list of things to be blocked. Right. Now, you can go into the service because you have an account on it and you can mm -hmm. whitelist things. So okay. I, have, I have certain things that are whitelisted and you can pick and choose which kind of blocking you want and you have a lot of control over it. Mm -hmm. But this is a this is a very simple way to manage ad blocking across everything in your in your network. If you want to get even more technical, and this is this is more technical than I've been ready to do yet, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> there's this thing called a pie hole. And you know the Raspberry Pi? Yeah. The little, the little computer Raspberry Pi. Well there's a yeah. software called Pie Hole, um, <laughs> which is essentially you manage the DNS inside the little device that's on your network. So you put the pie hole service inside your network. And it, it it catches all the DNS requests, looks them up, 
to see whether they should even go out to the internet. So that's wow. actually a much more efficient way of blocking mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the request never even leaves your home network. The software that you manage, wow. and there's an, there's an entire, there's a Reddit community, there's an entire infrastructure of, of people that have tips and tricks and you know, manage how mm -hmm. to do it. So mm -hmm. that's another way to really take control of ad blocking and, uh, and security. And if, if you don't do it right, and an ad slips through, then you could just say, you know, go shut your pie hole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think that's really fascinating to think about that because that is a challenge about ad blocking and something that I've been doing at the browser level, but that does not translate across the right. entire network. But I was really hoping that you were going to tell us it's going to also get rid of those uh, those really passive aggressive pop-ups that say, it looks like you've disabled ad blocking and we can't render your content to you. I say that a lot. And I just, I just go on to the next thing. Now, there are times where for running my business, I need mm -hmm. to see exactly what everyone else is going to see. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that there's nothing on my website that is mm -hmm. somehow gotten into the code that is now making requests that it shouldn't. Also, when I'm cruising, I'm on my own website, Martech Health. I don't want my traffic to be counted as page. That's right. You know, right. So that it blocks everything. It blocks Google tracking, etc. So mm -hmm. sometimes I'll just go into NextDNS website, go to my account, and I'll turn off blocking. Now suddenly I'm flooded with with ads, but also I I don't have that layer to uh, deal with when I want to check something. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a really good tip. Is that is that a pay, free service, paid service? What is that? It, it can't be that expensive. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, I'm looking at next DNS pricing. $1.99 a month. That's about right. You have a business level of $20 a month, and then you have an education layer for schools and universities. So apparently this next DNS is, is applied in multiple different environments. Right. I mean, imagine just paying your school administrator, university, and, and for 20 bucks a month, you can block ads and other things for everybody that's on the university network. Great tip. Thank you for sharing that today. My pleasure. So this is the third part of our show where we actually try to stump open AI, generative AI solutions. I was able to go out to ChatGPT and pose this question. This actually stemmed from, I was reading in a different uh, newsletter called The Hustle. They were talking about suddenly a book appeared on Amazon that was about mushroom foraging. And the author is a self-proclaimed blogger on foraging for mushrooms. And they did some research to try to find out who this person is. Turns out it's not a real person. Mm -hmm. This whole book was created by ChatGPT. Incidentally, some of the tips they had in the book were for taking mushrooms that could actually kill you. So that inspired me to think ChatGPT writing books. We we heard about it. We heard they could do. So this is where my prompt came in. Are you ready? It is... If you were to write an AI-generated novel based on any topic of interest, what would it be about? This is kind of like the Desert Island record thing. You're trying to force the uh, chat TTP to say, oh, so you're pretending to be a human? Let's let's see how far that goes. Well, yeah. let me share with you how far it went. Okay. It did start off prompted and said... As an AI language model, I don't have any personal interest, emotions, or consciousness, okay. so I don't experience preferences or desires like humans do. However, I can certainly come up with a concept for an AI-generated novel based on a popular and intriguing topic, and here is the title of the book, Synthetic Realities, Emergence of a Digital Utopia. In a not-so-distant future where technology has reached new heights, 
the world is on the brink of a transformation. The story unfolds in a society where synthetic realities have become the norm. And these realities are not just virtual worlds, but inextricably woven digital ecosystems that offer an escape from the limitations of physical existence. The novel follows the journey of Maya, a talented young programmer who has been working on a revolutionary project, a synthetic reality called Elysia. Unlike other synthetic realms, Elysia aims to not only provide an escape, but to bridge the gap between humanity's aspirations and the potential of technology. Elysia is designed to encourage personal growth, creativity, and collaboration with the intention of enhancing the real world rather than replacing it. And as Maya works tirelessly on programming Elysia, she faces both support and opposition. There are those who believe in the potential of these synthetic realities, while others fear the loss of genuine human experiences and connections. Amidst these debates, a mysterious group emerges entitled the Digital Dissidents, who believe that synthetic realities are a very threat to human existence, and they launch a series of cyber attacks aimed at destabilizing the entire digital world. As Maya navigates this complex landscape, she discovers the true origins of synthetic realities, unveiling a hidden history of experimentation, ethical dilemmas, and her journey leads her to question the nature of reality itself, the boundaries of technology, and the importance of preserving human connections. Very interesting. I use uh, Amazon Prime Unlimited. I do too. I'm a read science fiction, so I read, you know, see a lot yeah. and a lot of books. And this basic theme of intrepid, young, idealistic inventor comes up with the brilliant thing, and then the evil government and the evil corporations <laughs> fight against it. Is a theme that just repeats in all of these books that are being either written by humans, but I'm mm -hmm. starting to become convinced that most of the stuff I'm saying is actually written by a bot. <laughs> well, to me, I thought... This sounds a lot like Neuromancer by William Gibson and a little bit of Blade Runners in there, too. Yeah. It seems derivative to me. Oh, it is. I mean, this is, this is a standard trope of science fiction slash action slash adventure novels of uh, our hero has, something, has created something great and there are bad people that are trying to stop him. Or her. Yeah, it can be anything from a computer stuff, where we just they discover some ancient artifact inside, you know, the the, the, <laughs> the pyramids. And so this is this is a trope that is very very common. This is another insight into how ChatGTP is based. It's repeating back what it sees most of. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the plot points yeah. that so many of these novels have, and uh, is just regurgitating it in a in a slightly different form. So I guess the ultimate question, though, Ed, is if this book would appear on your Amazon Prime as a free read. Really, within a paragraph describing, <laughs> you know, this, I just, it's tossed out. No. <laughs> no. So it's a fail? It's a fail in that, it, I guess this is really a surprise. This is nothing, there's nothing new here. It's the same plot that, mm -hmm. you know, hundreds and hundreds of books have. So no, it doesn't do anything for me. Well, there you go. If we're keeping count in our third episode, we're uh, two fails, one pass. That's right. Well, Ed, again, another great episode in the can Thank here. You. Appreciate all your insights and all your annoyances and allowing you to uh, weigh in on how good ChatGPT is helping us in our society. <laughs> so until next time, uh, for Ed Bennett, this is Chris Boyer. See you.